Welcome to the Ogletree Deacons Podcast, a brief discussion of compelling legal issues and practical insights. Please note that the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be, nor should it be construed as legal advice. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. Please enjoy the program. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for the Ogletree Deacons podcast. My name is Karen Tynan, and I'm a shareholder in the Sacramento, California office. And here with me today is my usual podcast companion, Kevin Bland, an Orange County shareholder. And today we have an interesting podcast, a case study in workplace safety We're calling it the accidental podcast. We're examining a real workplace safety incident. The names and a few details change so that we can explore and learn from some true cases that maybe Kevin and I have had over the last 20 years. How's that sound, Kevin? That sounds great. (laughs) I'm excited. I I think this is going to be a cool series. So we've talked about some of your interesting cases in other podcasts, but Let's do a deeper dive and explore this case study and discover some lessons learned. So tell us about this first case. Well, this first case is a nail gun case. It's uh, been several years ago uh, now. Basically, a guy had a, a nail gun, was walking across the floor, going to another place to use it. Cord hung up, accidentally pulled on the trigger, hit his leg, put a nail in his it's like, ouch. so it was an injury. Yeah. Ouch. And so investigation ensues. They issue two willful violations that were 70, I want to say 78,000 each. So, so this roughly, is a Kalosha case. Kalosha, yeah. Kalosha yeah. case citations. So $150,000 penalties Ooh, for this. And they were for failure uh, to train. And they were actually double dipping. It was a failure to train and then a failure to do hands-on training. Okay. And so here we are. We got two willfuls on this failure to train. So some of the interesting things that that were yeah. that occurred in here is one, I'm gonna talk a little bit about the interview with the foreman at the site. Okay. So the inspector interviewed the foreman at the site, the guy's boss, uh, that this injury occurred to. And one of the questions was, did you train the employee? His answer was No, I didn't do his initial training. And then it stopped right there, right? And no (laughs) follow-up questions. I'll get to why that's important here. Then they then looked and they got document requests and they got the 300 logs and they got the training sign-offs and and those things. 300 logs, this is a a contractor that they use now. They probably fire, I don't know, in the millions of nails a week. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And maybe, maybe a month in the millions, but a tremendous cases of nails, right? And hundreds, hundreds of folks using nail guns right. to, every day right. uh, out in, in the field. And so you're going to have on your 300 log, because they properly record things, right. guy gets a puncture, guy gets a scratch, guy. Because right. uh, it's more than a band aid. Right. Maybe something they... beyond first aid, right? Doesn't have to be lost time, but something beyond first aid, went to the emergency room, whatever. And and so they said, that, well, there's 150 of these nail gun injuries in the last five years on the 300 logs. So therefore, you knew 
this was an issue and didn't train to it. Ooh. So that's how they were trying to dovetail on the willful and the fact that the they're claiming this foreman didn't train him knowing that he wasn't trained. So then we appeal the citations. We're going through uh, the process. So we then are in this process and this thing is dragging on and they aren't budging and we're trying to settle the case. And you're negotiating informally. Maybe you have a settlement conference. You really tried talking to the other side. And I know you have a really good working relationship and you regularly, like all make a pitch and a phone call, kind of talk it over, right? Yeah. Oh, exactly. And in this uh, this particular case, what was interesting, and I'm going to go to the 300 logs for a second. Yeah. So I'm like looking at this and I'm like, how, how do we get the judge to get the picture in this? Because mm-hmm. we had a judge assigned as a settlement judge in this right. case, you know, TSC mm-hmm. or ZSA Zoom settlement conference, telephonic settlement yes. conference where the judge is kind of acting as a mediator. And uh, in this case, and so I did the math on how many of these per man hour, because they do millions of man hours uh, a a year. And it came out to like 0.0025 incident rate per man hour. That's what this equates to. So not even a percent, not even a half a percent, not even a third of a percent. Right. No, two thousandths of a percent. That's some heavy math for you. <laughs> it was. It was. I had to redo it several times. And I and so I was trying to say, hey, this 300 log, they're recording. Yeah. And then once again, you know, they're they're kind of uh, someone doing things right. They turn around and make it punitive for right. doing things recording right, recording the right. the right things, right? Right. Okay. So we go through and then we don't often do this, but in this case, which I think was unique, I had to the settlement conference, I brought the, the foreman in. Okay. And another foreman. Why, why did I bring two foremen? Because yeah, we only had one. one. Yeah. Right. Because the other foreman is who actually did the training six <laughs> months earlier on another job. Cal Osher didn't ask that. And they're saying, well, why didn't you tell us that at the beginning? We didn't know what citation. We don't know what they're asking until we get the notes back from their, right. their file. Right, Karen? How can we? And I, we get this a lot, right? So a couple things that, that are noteworthy. One, they're using a 300 log to prove willful. Two, they asked the question to get their sound bite. Yes. No, he wasn't trained. This particular foreman didn't train him before he started on that job, right? right? But he'd worked for the company for 10, 12 years and was trained of by course. another one, but they didn't ask that. And we didn't know to tell that because the question wasn't asked. And so now we're going through this. And so even the, the Cal OSHA attorney, once they're getting this information, is like, oh, maybe this right. shouldn't even be a citation, right? Right. So then she goes up top, it's willful, so they have to go through this whole process. No, we're not settled, we're gonna go to trial. Okay, we'll go to trial, you sure you want this? You know, I don't mind having my name in the paper having two willfuls withdrawn right. at the end of a judgment. You, and yeah, you can't always be that age, confident, yeah. I'm pretty confident on this one. And can you, can you say a little more, because, when a willful or a serious accident related, when you're working to try to settle it and the Cal OSHA attorney on the other side has to get approval, it can be tough, right? And it sounds like in this case, this is a prime example of kind of some barriers to settlement or tell us a little bit more about that. Cause I think no, that's very interesting. No, no. And that's, I'm glad you, you asked that. Cause that is important. And, 
and I, we get this, I know Karen, you do too, is we'll have a, a client, we'll have a case and then today, right? So they were like 10, you know, I had five serious 10 years ago. I went in and talked to the district manager and we settled for one general and he withdrew the other ones. We went on, you know, I don't know why we're litigating and why we're having such a hard time. Well, I'll tell you why, because now the autonomy and decision-making has been taken away from the inspectors and the district managers where there's this whole process, especially on serious accident related and and Wiffles. And they're so overloaded. I think it's hard for them to make that approval because they aren't sitting there on the front line like the district manager or the attorney that is hearing the evidence directly after the citations have been issued. And so that bogs us down, makes it very difficult to get settlement. And that was true in this case. That was true in this case. And I know, I think we're going to talk about this later, but I think now's a good time to talk, but there's also a political issue. Yes. The political issue that we're dealing with, too, is the newspaper. What do I mean by that? (laughs) So how many times, Karen, have we read an article where division settles for pennies on the dollar, labor gloms on it and says, Kalosha's giving the farm away. That's this is a case is a perfect example of how that is uh, fake news. (laughs) It's a soundbite that doesn't have a lot behind it, because if you look at, let's just use this case, two willfuls, $140,000, and you ended up settling it. Yes. uh, The morning of trial Mm -hmm. for $284. So what goes in the newspaper? Kalosha's settles for $284. Well, they don't know that actually we were in compliant with both regulations. And we said, okay, for $284, we'll move on on and not spend another $50,000 going to trial on this thing, going through witnesses and all the time and wasting the judge's time and the, you know, and all this stuff. And, but where, 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 what happens in the paper, right? Right. In the Kalosha reporter, you'll see and how the case's settlement gets reported or, or trial verdicts also get reported and it'll show the original as issued citations and their monetary penalties. And then whatever the judge decides or whatever your settlement is. And it's not um, a, a particular uh, a, a particularly effective method just to look at where you start and where you end up because there's so many factors. But what happens is labor, employee advocates, and our adversaries glom onto that and really create quite a bit of heat around that. Like how in the world could they reduce these penalties so much that the, when these employers are endangering lives? And it's, it sounds like a good soundbite, but it's just not accurate. Correct. And and the other thing to keep in mind on this is a prima facie case, which means right. that's a fancy term for saying all the division has to do to issue a citation and is have a few facts right. to support. And then a lot of times the burden shifts to us to assert With our, our defense, right? Yes. Right. Or rebut the presumption. It's presumed serious that there's a realistic possibility of serious harm based on right. the actual hazard. In this case, an alleged failure to properly train on a nail gun could yeah. be realistic possibility of serious harm. Yeah, nail know guns. How to use and so then in the end, all the facts come out and recognize that, hey, we actually had trained him six months earlier, did a hands-on yes. when he came to 
the job site. And, and the regulation doesn't say train him at every job. Right. It's at the company before he starts doing those tasks. I like those points that you're bringing up and some of the difficulties with settlement. I do run into that quite a bit on serious accident related. It's just in general where my opposing counsel tells me, oh, I've got to draft this memo for approval up the line. And, oh, gosh, I don't have time to draft that right now. I'll get to it next month. And I'm thinking, well, hey, I want to sell it right now. Like, you know, the facts, we put it all on the table. Let's move this along here. You're wasting all of our time. But the idea that they've got to make this big pitch for settling those kind of cases. That's why I think this is a good case to talk about in these case studies uh, for what some of the difficulties can be in settlement. You, You have a document that shows the training. You've got guys saying, hey, this worker was trained and still you've got barriers. Right. Exactly. You know, couple lessons learned or things, yes. practice points uh, on this is uh, number one is because they say it's true doesn't mean it's true, right? right? Number two is before you start negotiating, even in an informal, get a copy of the file, find out what they're yes. saying they're basing it on. Yes. So then you know how to defend it properly, even in informal settlement conference, the early one, the first one, right? Right. Number two is when they're using something like 300 logs, draw the picture of what that really means. Go I through, like do the lesson. math. I like do the that. Math. Yeah, do the math, see what that really tells because it doesn't It doesn't tell the story like they tell it that, right. hey, you've had 75 nail gun injuries. Right. It says, no, we're down to 0.00025 per man hour injury rate on nail guns. Right. Yeah. No, I, I like that about the 300 log because a lot of times 300 logs get turned over in the document request. And I actually think it's a really good idea to go through those with a fine tooth comb yeah. and say, what what are we giving over? We're keeping these logs, we're required to, but what is it going to show? And this case is a prime example yeah. of that. Uh, and last thing, don't cave too early. So in other words, <laughs> if they would have said, and they offered this, we'll withdraw one, just take one willful and reduce the penalty to 50,000. I'm like, no, you know, right. and it's hard sometimes when you're facing 150,000, they reduced it. And, and on, of course, it's up to the client at the end yes. of the day. But look at the facts, look at what the law says, look at the regulation, look at what you have and your witnesses assess or how are our witnesses going to come across? And don't be afraid to showcase them even in settlement. No, I like that point too. I've had occasion in settlement conferences where I've brought the foreman or superintendent. I've also had them write a declaration, just a short one, maybe not, you know, not something, you know, but just one. Yes, I was trained on how to operate, blah, 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 right? Just something short and sweet. I I think it's important to give those settlement conference judges the information to help you. Yeah, no, uh, for sure. And one last thing that you made me think of, and this wasn't this case, but three weeks ago, we had a similar thing where we had, and we had someone who's going to testify and you may cringe when you hear what I did, but we, I had our witness that they didn't believe he was going to say what he said, come to the hearing. And I said, Hey, division counsel, if you want, let's go in a breakout room and you can do your 
cross-examination without okay. my objection of this witness and hear for yourself. And they did that. And we ended up getting them to withdraw the citation. I, yeah, I think that was clever. And I'd do it with a strong witness. Yeah. I'm not cringing. I mean, yeah. I'd have to have a lot of confidence. Yeah. But that probably doing that probably made the um, Cal OSHA council feel like, well, okay, yeah, this is yeah. the real deal, right? Yeah. No, it did. It made a huge difference. The risk is it gives them a, a, a bite that they didn't settle. The risk is that they then know how to maybe to ask the question different. But I also know where they're headed. So right. it's going to help me in uh, my direct. So. No, I, I like those lessons learned, Kevin. And I think that um, this is a great series. I appreciate you sharing some of this kind of inside information in these cases. So, hey, everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, Karen and Kevin here. You know, we have a ton of podcasts. We have our blog articles on ogletree.com. We do webinars that are available on ogletree.com. So thanks so much. Have a safe day, everyone. Thank you for joining us on the Ogletree Deacons podcast. You can subscribe to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. And remember, the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as legal advice.